0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Seeking Understanding podcast. I'm Roland, this is Matt, and this is now a podcast. So before we were not a podcast, uh, we used to do, we started out as uh, talks, like at a local church. Um, And then when the pandemic hit, as everyone, as a lot of people did, we went online um, and tried to translate our lesson format that we were doing in person to an online format, and then after some discussion we weren't entirely happy with it and we're like well we like chatting and having fun uh, and talking about theology so let's just do that with a bunch of cameras and mics around and then put that on the internet there we go and so here we are yeah okay it's not it's not super different from the discussion videos that we had a lot running alongside some of our lesson right. videos yeah. so it's not like we with this is a hundred percent brand new to us but but yeah we're throwing ourselves into this format and seeing what comes of it yeah we figure we can produce more like this uh rather than spending so much time you know figuring out how to to do like well curated lessons or something in all honesty 90 percent of the work for me went into recording the lessons yeah whereas the discussions seem to flow a lot better so we feel like we can get a lot more output um the discussions were also a lot more fun so <laughs> yeah. okay yeah so, so this is us this is us so what are we starting with so we're going to be taking a deep dive over the next bunch of episodes into the idea of wisdom in the old testament we're going to be looking at uh the idea of wisdom literature and whether that is even a helpful category for us to use um and starting with some foundational discussions on that we'll then move into some of the specifics, some of what we actually find in the Old Testament. We'll dig into these books and see what they have to say about wisdom. Okay, right. Um, so let's get started then. Um, you said we're gonna question whether wisdom literature is a helpful category. Yes, so I think it's it's fairly common knowledge um, that we've got Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes that make up the wisdom literature of the Bible. If you wanna branch that out to the New Testament, I guess, your best candidate would be a book like James. Okay. Um, Jesus himself says that he is one wiser than Solomon. So I guess there's some there's maybe something to go on there, but but I guess James would be your big candidate. And then outside of the old and new testaments, we could go into, say, the Apocrypha and look at um wisdom of Solomon or Wisdom of Ben Sirah, other books like that. Um But just keeping it to the Old Testament for now, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes have been. Kordendorf as the wisdom literature of the Bible. That's the working assumption. Mm-hmm. The problem is that this has just been an assumption. And what uh, Will Kynes did a number of years ago with um, his book, An Obituary for Wisdom Literature. It's is a very provocative title. Very provocative title. But what he did was he interrogated this assumption to say, well, are we assuming this for good reason? Is there actually some basis to this idea that we have Proverbs, Job and Ecclesiastes as the wisdom literature of the Hebrew Bible? And I guess related to that, which I think we'll come back to just now, is what then does that do to our reading of these books? If they do belong in this category, if they are kind of cordoned off into their own little corner of the the Hebrew Bible, what assumptions tend to come with that? Essentially what he does is interrogate that category and find that, no, it's not actually all that helpful. We we shouldn't think of Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes as the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Yeah. I mean, it, it so- at first it sounds like a bit of a nitpicky thing to deal with, right? It's like, okay, well, what genre are we going to call these things? Um, but I can see that, like, I mean, the more I think about it, the more impact it does have on the way that you approach those books as well as other books. So. Um, I think you've, you've spoken to me about this a bit where the, when we think about them as vision, wisdom, literature as like its own thing, then we tend to think, okay, these are like disconnected from the story of Israel. They're based on like, more like Genesis one to three kind of creation stuff. And they're not really like interacting with, um, the, the themes and ideas and motifs that sort of more Jewish theology would have in the, the later Pentateuch, which impacts how you read those books quite dramatically. Mm. Um, but then it also impacts like how you read other books, like I, I, um, for instance, the law sections of the, the Pentateuch, right? We, we tend to read those. It's easier to read those as modern law things where it's like a, a bunch of exhaustive stipulations that we're supposed to follow more or less to the letter. Whereas you have more recent um, sort of criticism of that from people like Walton saying like, actually, no, that, that should be understood as a kind of wisdom literature as well, like as, as in, in embodying and encoding wisdom. Yeah. And so then it's like oh, but it's a lot easier, I think, to get away with that incorrect reading if you are like. Well, the wisdom books over here, and this is law, so this can't be wisdom literature. It's got to be something else, right? And then mm. you just go for your closest sort of approximation that you're familiar with. Yeah, and there've been massive discussions that I mean that, that that's raised of well, what is the difference between wisdom and law, and needing to tease it out and keep them keep them separate. Um, it, it comes with its own assumptions about like you say about what law means and and quite often what it seems to do more than anything else is reflect not what was going on in these books but what's going on in our contemporary world yeah. <laughs> so we read old testament law as uh, modern day legislative law mm. whereas for them back then it was probably more like common law it was probably more like what walton explores um, more like wisdom, more like a, a, a brushstroke portrait of righteousness than uh, this is the specific standard that we're going to hold you to and you can apply to this or that sentence and get off on this, that technicality like mm-hmm. in our current day law systems. Um, because that's what we're familiar with. We, we can You can see how that would um, flow into the way that we read these texts because that's our frame of reference. But actually, we need to interrogate. Well... Is that how they would have thought about it? Yeah. Is that how they would have read it? And the same with the wisdom literature, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> the books that were formerly known as wisdom Formally, literature. <laughs> formerly known as wisdom <laughs> literature. Yeah. Would they have thought? Would the would the um, Jewish people in Persia um, have thought about Proverbs as wisdom literature? You know, would um, would they have read Job and thought, yes, this is one of them wisdom books like Proverbs? Um, I would guess not. Mm. Um, so then, okay, so okay. So let's say we accept the idea that the wisdomless shirt as like a grouping doesn't make any sense. Mm. So then what is the better grouping? And then how do we approach these books that do seem to be somewhat familiar, they at least have some family resemblance as one another? Mm. Yeah, family resemblance is an interesting word. Um, that's actually Catherine Dell's way of talking about it. What she's... oh, I just took it from philosophy. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well what 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 she's kind of spoken about is um how if we're gonna call into question the category wisdom literature, does that mean that wisdom can't be something that that holds these books together? This is something that Will Kynes actually goes into in his book. He doesn't although he says that we shouldn't call these the, the wisdom literature and hold this as the definitive category of these books, when he talks about genre theory, and we talks about how we can then go and talk about the way that different texts relate to each other. We can find common aspects in different, in different texts, and actually that can, that can um, overlap, and um, different texts can be found in multiple groupings. So you could have something like um, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and 1 Kings 1-11 that all talk about wisdom. And so for that reason, they're grouped together. Um, we could also have, um, I don't remember which one I said was Proverbs. So this is going to be Proverbs, and <laughs> yeah, okay. you could also have Proverbs, Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus and Exodus and you, know, you could go on, but all talking about ethical conduct. And they all connect in different ways um, because that is the theme that's, that's binding them together. Um, and so you could go, you could talk about Ecclesiastes and Lamentations, well, it's a different color. Um, Lamentations and um, maybe parts of Jeremiah. Um, and you could talk about, and, and Job. And you can talk about um, texts that are sad. Texts that are sad. Yeah, but they have to deal with like the more negative yeah. aspects of living in a world with God. And- yeah, yeah. And and so what what we have then is this, it's, it's more of a network approach where Correct. where different texts connect in different ways. So what Catherine Dole with her idea of family resemblances is, is is essentially saying is that as we talk about um, wisdom, as we talk about this grouping over here, we could have a Proverbs over here and we could have an Ecclesiastes over here as um, she talks about them as wisdom's core, the sort of basic expressions of wisdom, the, the parts of the Hebrew Bible that seem to have the most to say about wisdom. But then you could also have Um, Job over... Did I change the color? (laughs) Job over here as like a distant cousin because it does, although it's not as dominant a theme, it does have things to say about wisdom, say in Job 28. Mm. Uh, The fear of the Lord is... um, The fear of the Lord is... I keep wanting to... I keep wanting to quote Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is this. Get wisdom. All our listeners are like, it's beginning of wisdom. It's beginning of wisdom. Like no, that's not what he's quoting. <laughs> Job twenty eight twenty eight. Um, the fear of the Lord. This is wisdom. This is, wisdom. This is no, this bold statement. You know, and I mean that that <laughs> the beginning of wisdom as the fear of the Lord is a commonplace idea in Proverbs. Like that. That's that's what we think about. So there is this thing that does seem to bind these texts and that makes us think. Oh yeah, that actually makes me think of Proverbs. So there is this um, sort of level of connection but it's just a more distant connection mm, mm. it's not as dominant a theme but still has things to say so we could think of it not as like brothers and sisters like we're thinking about proverbs and ecclesiastes um but we could think of it like a cousin that bears some resemblance by virtue of being in the same family but not necessarily um as closely related and, and with all the same resemblances that makes sense because it's like it, so it's basically kind of pushing against this idea of saying okay we're going to cordon off this and like separate it out and put the label of wisdom on it yeah uh, and i mean job is an interesting example of that because if you read through job and the debates that they're having with his friends and so on like they don't really cover wisdom all that much it's a lot about like righteousness and yeah. god's and how god's righteousness will interact with human righteousness and all wickedness and all you know punishment of things like that yeah uh, and then But that's not just, and then, okay, but then you still can recognize a connection between the two because you're like, well, it does say something about wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And we can, okay. And Joe 28 is an important passage about wisdom. So we do need to reckon with it, but Mm. not dominant. That makes sense. Okay. So you mentioned, okay, so that's, uh, okay, that's like more of a network approach rather than like a category approach Mm. where we can recognize multiple connections between books rather than having to like put one label on them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess. The, the one question that might be worth asking is, okay, if wisdom literature is not the category that we should use, why is it held sway for so long? Right. Yeah. It's like commonplace. If you say wisdom yeah. books, then yeah. Yeah. So what, again, coming back to all kinds and, and the case that he makes, he starts with, um, if we've got wisdom literature over here, then What he wants to do is to say okay well if we've got from say um the early the early jewish writings um we don't we don't see any explicit reference to this in the old testament obviously and we have to we'd have to infer um if we're just talking about what the old testament texts have to say we have to infer from the connections but um in some of the earlier jewish writings do we see evidence that there were gathered together into that sort of collection. Maybe when parts of the Hebrew Bible would be, we being gathered together to form what we now have as the, the, the canon. Um, and so he looks and well, we've got, um, so from the, the early Judaism towards wisdom literature to see if there's any sort of, if it emerges out of that. And so he looks at a bunch of them. He looks at the Megalot, um, the writings, The the the, Megalot? The Megalot is a a smaller collection within the writings. Let's actually back up even further. The Hebrew Bibles divide into three main sections. Right. You've got the Torah, the Ketuvim, and the Nevi'im in between. Um, (laughs) The the Torah, the law, uh, instruction, the Genesis to Deuteronomy. Pentateuch. Pentateuch. The Nevi'im, the prophets, which is split into former and latter prophets. Uh, What we kind of think about as a lot of the history books. Um, and then the prophets proper, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Book of the Twelve, which would include the smaller prophets like Micah, Malachi, Hakahat, the rest of them. And then we've got this weird miscellaneous collection at the end called The Writings, which includes the Psalms and includes Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. Um, it also includes Ruth, which we might have expected to find earlier mm-hmm. um, in okay. our- It's also about history books like Ezra and Nehemiah. It's got a history book like Ezra and Nehemiah, that sort of pick up the post-exilic period and what things were looking like once they'd, once the people had returned from exile in Babylon into the land and the Persian rule and figuring all that out. It's got one and two chronicles, which again... My- Whereas I kings, one and two kings and one and two Samuel are in the prophets. Exactly. So you, And we typically just lump all of those, the three collections together because we're like, yeah. yeah, they're all basically this, they're covering the same kind of timeframe lump them together and then don't read half of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Generally, when I talk to people, they don't, they don't read Chronicles. They're like, yeah, that's just the summary of oh, Kings, Kings or yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe bits of Samuel or whatever. Yeah, so Chronicles, am I right in saying Chronicles actually ends the Hebrew Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible? The Hebrew yeah. Bible, yeah. Um, in the way that we have it. Um, the The thing with the writings is that I think there's a good case to be made for finishing with Chronicles and I think that there's some significance to that, but it was, it was a fairly loose collection, and there's quite a bit of debate about how this was organized and, and how these books fit together, what order they go in. If we're supposed to see an order or any sort of development like we are in, say, um, the Pentateuch or um, the historical, the former prophets, the historical parts of the prophets, um, there's really no agreement. Mm. What we do know, though, is that at some point there was this collection of smaller books within the writings called the megalot okay which includes song of songs esther um ecclesiastes i think ruth and a blanked on the other but it's a it's a collection we've well, we, not group grouped those together it's a collection of well th- that's just it it's a collection of five books that um quite often used in um jewish liturgy i think even today um and it, i i'm no expert on this this is now Going beyond my areas areas of expertise, but um, but I think still used today to in in differing ways depending on which you know where you're involved or, or or who you're talking to. Um but that I mean that yeah, like you say, that that's a bit of a an interesting collection of mm. books and doesn't give us anything like wisdom literature. No, uh, we could look at the collections of Josephus or Philo. Um, Jewish or Josephus is a Jewish historian in the first century. So is Philo. Philo. Um, although I don't know if we'd call Philo an historian, but but yeah, Jewish figures in 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 um, that sort of time period. Um, but reflecting back on the the Hebrew scriptures and bringing them to bear on their current political contexts, mm. um, in all of these and all the all the various collections that that kinds discusses we don't find any traces of wisdom literature as a category. So if we're going from, um, if we're going from its origins to our current usage, then actually that's a big fail. (laughs) We we don't have anything to go on. Out of interest. I I, I think I, I recall reading about when reading about the formation of that three part sort of division of the Jewish, the Hebrew scriptures that like one of the people was it Ben Sira or well, one of them uh, described the writings as wisdom in the beginning as like mm. a as like a rough thing It's like ah oh, like kind of like wisdom you know, and then it quickly became like uh, it's not really like a good label for this and so then it, it went to the more generic sort of writings uh, mm. language. Yeah. So there, but that would have been. Even though it's the word wisdom it would have applied to everything in that collection right yeah so yeah you would have to equally say that chronicles is wisdom and esther's wisdom and yeah so it doesn't really help it's not it doesn't resemble in any way the kind of wisdom literature category that we talk about today yeah it's certainly not limited to proverbs job and ecclesiastes yeah, yeah. um yeah it, it comes closer to the the more generic idea of all of this is wisdom all of the hebrew bible is shaping us in some way and is right is written for our instruction um, but doesn't, doesn't help us get to wisdom literature as a category. What if we went the other direction though? What if we went from contemporary usage and said, okay. Look our way backwards. Yeah. So yeah. if we've got today is your own. Oh, thanks man. And, um, we ask how are we, uh, where did this come from? How do we get to this point where we're using wisdom literature as a category? And he goes back and back and lands up at a guy called Johann Friedrich Bruch. Okay. Good luck writing that down. I'm not going to. Okay. Just gonna, <laughs> he's just going to get Bruch. So when, when is he... You will get a stick figure When is he working? Like what time frame? So this is about 18... 1851 is when his book was written that has a German title that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But at... Um, it was the, what, what he was trying to do was to find a place for these books in um, in the Old Testament. That um, it, was, it was at a time where actually quite a bit of philosophy seemed to be fairly anti-Semitic, frankly. Um, and uh, really looking at these texts and being like, well, there must be some use for them. And um, found in Proverbs, Job and Ecclesiastes, the more philosophical, texts of the Hebrew Bible. They seem to be more reflective um, and more more meta in their interests. Yeah, less concerned with like the contingencies of history and yeah. more like what we can infer from yeah. T as a well. whole. Yeah. And if you're not really interested in the life and times of the Jewish people, you can see why maybe you'd want to latch onto that sort yeah. of literature instead. Yeah. And to see, well, okay, yeah, there's generic wisdom that can be learned here. There are ideas here that can apply to everybody. So let's let's look at those and talk about how Wisdom is spoken about in these books, and so what you land up with is actually this philosophical category um, of wisdom literature, which you know you can sort of see where it comes from, mm-hmm. but it had it had the effect of hiding these all from the rest of the Hebrew Bible and not allowing that influence that we were talking about earlier. That's crazy late though, 1851.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it is like,
0: wow. So you're saying like the vast majority of even church history doesn't even know about this distinction? No that's that's will that's will kind's case i think he makes a good case i'm compelled by it um not everybody has accepted it you still got people today like michael fox or um john collins or um i think they're like three or four different john collins just in biblical studies so um john J. collins i think it is um but a bunch of people today who would still want to hold on to wisdom literature as a category who still find it useful who still want to employ that you haven't been persuaded by Will Kine's argument, but you certainly drawn a line in the sand to say, actually, we need to reckon with us. Okay. And so, if then, maybe in the, as a closing question for this episode, uh, if then you don't have this label as wisdom to help you read these books, like, what is the, what is the alternative to, like, how, how do we, how do we, like, Start. <laughs> yeah. So I think it comes back to Wilkine's network approach that that he um, that he lays out. We can instead of assuming that these belong in their own corner, and he's not the only person to to emphasize this. Like I say, Catherine Dahl is also doing some great work on this. And in fact, Wilkine's book was published I think in twenty nineteen. Okay. Um, Catherine Dahl already in two thousand and six was um, had had published a book that was pushing against not necessarily wisdom literature as a category, but this idea of hiving books like Proverbs off into their own corner and noticing connections between Proverbs and Deuteronomy. Um, if we appreciate the fact that, um, there are certain texts in the Hebrew Bible that seem to have a lot more to say about wisdom than others, there's nothing stopping us from saying, well, let's take wisdom as the thing that we're exploring. And look at those texts that explore wisdom, and use that as a generic category of some kind. It's a, it's not quite the same thing as making this the be-all and end-all of how we should understand mm-hmm. these books. Um, it's just noticing this connection and saying, there's something that we can. There's a connection that we can explore. There's a genre that we could explore. Is the terminology that will, uh, Will kinds would use? But even like, I mean, you don't even have to think about it as the whole book, right? Like you could say, no. oh, if I'm looking at the topic of wisdom. I could then bring in Job 28, but like, uh, and I can, um, yeah. I mean, we kind of do that in systematic theology, don't we? Where we say like, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to think about what the new Testament has to say about like the Trinity, but there's no like Trinity book, you know, like there's bits all over the place that talk about the Trinity and I'm going to piece that together. Yeah. Um, so would it be something like that? I think so. Um, I think what, what we can do and what I'm going to suggest we do for, um, for our trajectory going forward is to look at the the main texts that focus in on wisdom, that talk about wisdom, that use um, the main word for wisdom in the Hebrew Bible. Chakan. Or, oh. For our. Because Hebrew uses um, only consonants and the, the vowel pointings, so I had it later. I've just put the the Hebrew consonants there, but that's the root that's used. That's, that's what's behind all the wisdom words, whether we're talking about to be wise, the verb or wisdom, the noun or a wise person, the, the substantive. Um, we're going to look at the texts that really focus in on this Hebrew word, which, um, is Proverbs Ecclesiastes and solomon's account in 1 kings 1 to 11. those are where the majority of the hebrew bible's uses of Chakam's... i mean there is another interesting connection there so this is two entire books proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and then you've got this like section of kings yeah by no means all of one kings no no um it does seem and we'll talk about this in a future episode it does seem that wisdom as an attribute is really focused in on the figure of solomon mm. and then sort of forgotten for the rest of Kings. But this, this over here, there are actually two connections over here. We could look at the concentration of Chakam, the fact that this word comes up here more than anywhere else. We could also add another layer that our listeners might already be picking up on that bind these three texts together. That's the figure of Solomon. We've got Proverbs, which is, which is attributed to Solomon. I have lots of thoughts about that, which we'll come <laughs> to in a future episode. We've got Ecclesiastes, which is not attributed to Solomon, but seems to very strongly imply Solomon. Solomon. connects to Solomon without directly attributing it, yeah. Yeah, certainly in the first section at the very least. And then 1 Kings 1 to 11, which gives the primary account of Solomon's reign and Solomon as this paradigmatic wise king um, and some of how that's explored. So in uh, going forward, we're gonna look at the story of Solomon We're going to look at wisdom's basic expression um, in Proverbs. And we're going to look at wisdom's necessary nuance in Ecclesiastes. You like your alliteration, don't you? (laughs) You're proud of that, aren't you? (laughs) I like that For those who don't know him, that loves alliterating as with any opportunity he can get. I'm not the worst culprit. That is quite fun. You're pretty (laughs) up there. there. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, So that's it for our first episode. Uh, Thanks for joining in for the conversation. And we'll see you in the next one.